Hello, and welcome to Informed, a podcast series where you will hear industry experts share their thought-provoking insights and lessons in the field of medical communications. This series is brought to you by ISMAP and is generously sponsored by MedThink SciComm. As a reminder, the views expressed in this recording are those of the individuals and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of ISMAP or the companies or institutions with which they are affiliated. This presentation is for informational purposes only and is not intended as legal or regulatory advice. My name is Jenny Giff and I'll moderate the podcast discussion today. I am the Omnichannel Strategy and Innovations Lead for the Global Scientific Communications Team for Pfizer Oncology. That's a mouthful, but for the purposes of this conversation, what is important to know about me is that I've been working with AI to help us tame information overload via literature extraction and data mining for the last three plus years. I'll also take this opportunity to introduce Dr. Yanjin Wang, the Vice Chair of Research and Assistant Professor at the University of Pittsburgh. His research focuses on AI and its applications in healthcare. Dr. Wang has led a number of NIH-funded projects aimed at developing AI algorithms to extract information from clinical notes and reports and applied these learnings in many disease areas. He also actively serves on editorial boards for the likes of the Journal of Healthcare Informatics Research and many others. Dr. Wang, we're lucky to have you and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me to this podcast, and thank you for the nice introduction. Today, we're going to focus on how large language models and generative AI are changing how we communicate, the importance of bridging dialogue amongst our specialties and professions, and how we can learn from AI experts, the tech industry, clinicians, the pharmaceutical industry, and what we might anticipate in the future. So I'm just going to jump right in. Dr. Wang, these are interesting times that we're living in, to say the least. What's your perspective on the current generative AI landscape in healthcare and its impact on the communication of scientific information? Thank you, Jenny. This is a great question. So generative AI has been introduced to academia and industry for actually a long time. Uh, it could be traced back to the time when generative probabilistic models proposed in 2000, such as the latent directly allocation or the LDA model, which was designed to generate topics for a given text document. So these models were applied in healthcare to identify different clinical note topics. Uh, nowadays, the generative AI is becoming a hot topic again, mainly because of two applications. One is the ChatGPT for generating text. And uh, I think everyone is using that. And uh, since it's released in November 2022, there are millions of users collected in just one month. And the other one is the text-to-image applications like uh, MidJourney that has, you know, uh, image can be generated based on input prompt. And notably, the ChatGPT has brought a lot of uh, new potentials to healthcare domain. So just before our conversation today, I just searched the keyword ChatGPT in PubMed and found 1,068 publications. So remember that this is a very impressive result because ChatGPT was just released nine months ago. Because people in healthcare recognize the promise of generative AI within this field, so people find that generative AI could summarize discharge summaries, could uh, um, support clinical decisions, improve 
provider-patient communications by translating medical jargons to layperson language, make those administrative more efficient by streamlining streamline those prior authorizations or streamline those clinical paperwork, etc., etc. So there are a lot of applications right now. But these generative AI applications are not free of risks. So one of the prominent challenges associated with generative AI is the so-called hallucinations. So these models may generate content that is made up, that could be unreal. Or sometimes those content may have misinformation. And these instances of hallucination may take various forms, ranging from some nonsensical text messages to images with unlikely features. And this hallucination content that appear convincing, but in fact, they are fabricated. And this poses a significant concern in the critical domain like healthcare, where those misinformation may have serious outcomes. It feels like the world is changing under our feet, right? And it's very difficult to keep up um, and very difficult to distinguish the signal from the noise, perhaps, in what we're reading and what we're seeing. Um, And the publication space was always so busy anyway. We have so many articles, for example. So Mm -hmm. I think your PubMed search results are very interesting as well right now. I think that leads to a very another interesting question. How do you stay up to date when a new model Mm -hmm. is coming out every day when we are seeing so much information and potential misinformation out there? Yeah, exactly. Um, So there are almost a new model coming out every day and staying up to date with latest generative AI models and technologies could be really challenging. But I can talk a little bit about some of the strategies I use to stay updated. Uh, I hope it is helpful. So I am a, a natural language processing, the aka NLP expert and uh, specifically NLP applications in the medical domain. To ensure that I stay up to date with new technologies, I actively engage with two academic communities. The first one is the ACL community. So ACL stands for Association of Computational Linguistics. It is NLP community primarily composed of computer scientists specializing in NLP. So going to these conferences, and uh, reading most recent articles from ACL make me aware of the most recent challenges and solutions in NLP and the so-called large language models, which are the methodology behind uh, ChatGPT, and also make me rethink about how these advancements in the general domain can be effectively utilized in the field of medicine. And there are several conferences in the ACL community. For example, uh, there is a general ACL conference. There is a North America version of ACL, NACO, NAACL conference, happening either in Canada or the United States. And there are also EMM NLP focused on evaluation of NLP, and a data set. Uh, there are also calling conferences. So there are several conferences regarding in the ACL community. The second community is the medical informatics community, uh, like uh, AMIA, American Medical Informatics Association, where healthcare professionals that apply NLP, apply AI and the data science, they usually go to the AMIA conferences. And there are three um, 
major AMIA conference. One is the AMIA annual symposium that usually happens in November. And uh, there is another one, Informatics Summit in the spring. And uh, there's another one, uh, Clinical Informatics Conference in the summer. So those three are major AMIA conferences I usually uh, attend. And I'm also very active in the AMIA community and I currently lead the AMIA NLP working group and uh, also participate in a lot of uh, leadership committees. So participating in AMIA conferences and get engaged with those activities and also uh, discuss with healthcare practitioners like physicians, clinicians, or healthcare administrators allows me to grasp the real-world problems in medicine, as well as people's concerns, you know, regarding the using generative AI models in their practice. And I'm also very engaged with social media, like uh, LinkedIn and Twitter, where I actually learned a lot from your post, Jenny, <laughs> about the generative AI. I started using it myself um, to to find communities. So I think social media is, is a way for us to share information and share learnings with each other and bridge dialogue amongst our respective communities. I think it's really helpful for us to seek out others and seek out experts in the fields mm -hmm. because these aren't necessarily communities or congresses that we all are historically interacting with. Um, would you agree? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think those social media platforms, you know, allows us to connect with our peers and uh, connect with people who have the common interest in the area. And another thing I'm using those social media is that it, uh, it allowed me to interact not only with uh, academic people, because also ACL conference, AMIA conference, most are academic people. Who attend those? Uh, so those, those social media platform allow me to connect with the industry experts like you and learn what is the industry need and how these technologies we develop in academia can be transferred to industry. I think now um, is really actually a, an error of uh, team science. I believe we really couldn't go far if we go alone by ourselves. If we just uh, go alone by ourselves in academia, I don't think we we will go very far about applying those technologies in a real world scenario. And it's important to collaborate with people from different disciplines, like from industry, from medicine, from informatics, and collaboratively navigate the landscape of generative AI in advancing the medicine. I, I think that's an excellent point. Um, I think we should always look for ways to bridge dialogue amongst experts like yourself, amongst our industry, um, amongst clinicians. And I think mm -hmm. that that'll only help us to do, to do more and to serve patients ultimately. You know, we're also seeing a lot of um, noise and movement in, in the publications industry, of course. And the journals also seem to be issuing um, point of view statements on, on AI and the use of generative AI. We're also seeing um, some major journals launch sister journals in AI. That seems to be one other way that hopefully we're going to see more bridging of dialogue and conversation across industry. Is there anything else we could do to help further and bridge that dialogue, do you think? Yeah, I think there are several ways uh, we could actually do better to bridge the dialogue among different experts. For example, we could uh, organize more interdisciplinary conference workshops and seminars where experts from AI, computer science, clinical practice, and uh, pharmaceutical companies can share insights, research findings, and uh, also to discuss challenges. I think we didn't do a good job in 
uh, currently in organizing those cross-discipline conferences. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, like the ACL conference, there are uh, very, very few people from medicine go, go to those ACL conferences. Majority people going to ACL are computer scientists. Uh, and for AMIA, there are also very few people in computer science and ACL going there. So I think this is a, we could actually do better. And uh, both venues have very, very few presence from the pharmaceutical industry, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've noticed it too in trying to bridge out and attend some of these other meetings that I don't typically go to, right? I think, I think there's certainly yeah. more work to be done. I think we have every reason to be optimistic right now. We're at some sort of inflection point, right? That is capturing the attention of the broader community. So given all that, what is your view of the future? What partnerships and sorts of breakthroughs are you most excited about in the field? I think, first of all, the future of generative AI from medicine is bright, and there's no doubt. And I'm particularly excited about the potential solutions about several challenges we face right now. When we apply the generative AI in medicine, uh, I think the first one is uh, hallucination a problem I just mentioned earlier, uh, because we have to or we must address or at least control the hallucination problem or those misinformation problem of the current generative AI models and make those models free of misinformation, or at least we need to control them before we apply them in practice. And another challenge is reasoning. A lot of time uh, you got a response from uh, let's say ChatGP or, or those large language models, but you don't know what is the reason behind generating this response. So this reasoning challenge is also need to be addressed, and we need to make those all models answers you know most much more transparent in terms of reasoning process. And if we really want to see the vast applications of generative AI in healthcare, those two challenges are the first two challenges we have to solve. And my lab is actually also actively working to address this challenge. A recent preprint article from my lab, we proposed a model called ChatGPT Care that integrates clinical guidelines into ChatGPT to improve the hallucination and reasoning of the original ChatGPT. We see some improvement, but I think it's still not enough if we really want to use that in practice. So there are a lot of more uh, research work need to be done. And uh, the other thing is related to uh, evaluation and evaluation uh, standards for generative AI models. So the conventional matrix used to evaluate machine learning models like um, precision, recall, FN score, or the some conventional metrics to evaluate the generated response like a blue score. It is not the optimal uh, matrix to evaluate generative AI models. So I think we need to develop the new matrix for evaluating those generative AI models and to evaluate those models as well. And uh, the third one, I think, is the discussion I'm really excited about is around S principles before applying generative AI in practice. So for example, will generative AI you know, make the health disparity worse because of the model bias? However, those ethical principles for generative AI in healthcare have been understudied. And a lot of healthcare decision makers often fail to consider the significance of those ethical principles before applying them in practice. And we have to work together 
with different people to address those problems. And these challenges are real, you know, they are real. They are when we apply those models, uh, but I'm also excited about solving these challenges together through collaborations and partnerships. I think it's it's a bit of a double-edged sword because what we're seeing is the ability to ask questions and get responses that are really understandable, particularly in domains like clarity, for example. Yeah. Um, but the the question is, are these biases going to be exacerbated for for people who don't have access to these systems, what happens to them? But then I think you're also talking about the data that we ingest mm-hmm. into these systems. If it is inherently biased, then the outputs will be biased as well. Exactly. So we, we definitely have a lot of work ahead of us. I think, again, these are very interesting times. We are at such a such an inflection point in the technology. Um, and I personally look very much forward to continuing um, our conversations together because I learn a lot every time I speak with you. So thank Thank you. Thank you, Jenny. For other ISMAP resources on AI, please listen to our earlier podcast, chatting more about ChatGPT and generative AI, and visit the ISMAP University and e-learning site for our webinars, The Rise of ChatGPT and Generative AI, and How AI Can Increase Accessibility. Links can be found in the written transcript of this episode. Thanks for listening to Informed for Medical Communications Professionals. Please take a minute to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app, inform your colleagues, and rate our show highly if you liked what you heard today. We hope you will also join us at an upcoming ISMAPU webinar or even consider becoming a member of our association. Just go to ismap.org. That's ismpp.org to learn more. I'm Jenny Gift.